This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. For so long, daters get into the dating scene like they do when they go on The Bachelor or Bachelorette. It's all about chasing the other person, convincing them to like you back. We don't take a pause and think about, well, do I actually like this person? Yeah, and let's take it one step further, the Tinder scene. Yeah, yes, I love (laughs) (laughs) that. But I feel like that's exactly what happened is people fell into the fantasy and they wanted to believe that this super rich, attractive man could give them the life they wanted. Let's take a breath. (sighs) Hey guys, I'm Cindy Latwako and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am so happy that you're here. And this episode, I hope, is for anyone out there that has ever struggled with dating, has ever gone through ups and downs in relationships, or is looking for their person. I hope that this episode meets you exactly where you're at and you hear something today that's going to help you or help a friend or anyone that you know to be what we call dateable. And I want to say the topic of dateable doesn't mean that you have to change yourself or that you have to change what you want or you have to lower your standards. That is never the case, but I think there's always tools and things that we can learn and try and apply to the world of dating that can't hurt. So today we have Julian Yue of the Dateable Podcast. They have become essentially experts in this area with all of the ups and downs in their own dating lives and how much time and energy they have put in to learn about the topic of dating. They have been doing this podcast for six years. And for me as a podcaster, I find that extremely inspiring. It's a lot of work to make a podcast. It's also a lot of work to dive so deeply into one topic. I asked them at the beginning, I was like, are you guys sick of talking about dating? Do you ever get over it? And they said, absolutely not. They love it. They've been working at this craft for six years now. And it's been such a fun project for both of them to be a part of. And they just love talking about dating. So I thought this episode would be perfect to ask them all of your dating questions. Maybe it's because I wanted a dating show. Not sure, but I definitely get a lot of questions on this topic. And I love experts. I love to hear different point of views and different experiences within the dating topic subject. So I asked them all of your dating questions that you submitted. I got some from men. I got some from women. I got all types of dating questions. And I really think you're going to love this episode. Even if you're not dating right now, we all have our dating history and our own dating story and path. So I'm sure that you can relate even if you're not dating right now. If you know someone that is, please send this episode to them. And I just hope that it helps whoever gets to listen to it today. My something to share today. I'm going to walk you through a typical day in the life of tour. So my starter pack for the things that I need, no matter what situation I'm in, is a good night's rest, some really good food, a great cup of coffee, exercise or movement in some way, and something that's going to work my brain. So for me, that's podcasts or people have been really getting into Wordle on the bus. So I am I started it. I didn't finish my first Wordle yet. Um, it's really hard to do at 12 in the morning, but something I might be trying. So something's going to challenge me and something that I feel connected in. So for me, that's also speaking with my fiance or talking to my dog or things like that. So those are my starter packs for me to have a really good day. That can be hard to do when you are switching up your day-to-day experience. You're on tour. Your schedule is not your own anymore. You're running off of the schedule of a show from being in a different city each day, from affecting your sleep, you guys, have you ever tried to sleep on a moving bus? Yeah, it's not easy. It's not the easiest thing I've ever done. Um, shout out to Melatonin for using me to sleep these days. I honestly cannot fall asleep without it. One night I didn't take melatonin and I had a couple of drinks before bed, m- both of them being uppers. One was a glass of champagne and one was tequila and I couldn't fall asleep. So I went to bed at four in the morning. So then I took it upon myself to prioritize sleep and I said, eh, I'm going to wake up at noon the next day. So my starter pack is the things that I need to feel 
good in a day or normal in a day. And those are my things. And like I said, it's really difficult to find those within a tour experience. So what I've been prioritizing is sleep. Whatever I can manage, I try to get eight hours. So if that means I'm going to bed late, I'm going to wake up later. So I don't love doing that. I love to have like a long day and be able to accomplish a lot of things in a day. So when I don't get a lot of rest, it just throws me off. So I prioritize that. I always wake up in the morning and I make myself a cup of coffee. I usually go find somewhere in the city that we're in. So I love to walk and get coffee. Gets me some sunshine on my face and helps me to just get a little movement in my body. So I love a walkable city. Right now we're in DC. And I love I, I love DC. I just love how clean it is. And they have downtown downtown aspects like New York does, but it's well kept. It's clean. I just feel safe. Um, I love DC. I've always loved DC. This is where we would always take field trips as when I was a kid because I grew up in Virginia Beach. So DC was not super far. So I've done all the museums. So today I just wanted to kind of chill. Um, so I go find a cup of coffee and then I will try to find the nearest workout place. I love ClassPass for this. ClassPass is amazing. I'll find a class to take. If there's nothing available in the area, I will find a room in the theater and I'll do a workout on my phone. Movement is so important. It helps me clear my brain for the day, helps me feel centered in myself, and it helps me with the show that I'm having later. I did not get to work out today, so I'm a little feeling a little off today. I definitely had an off day, but I'm also having to be lenient with myself, which is definitely important. Once I get a workout in, I usually shower at the workout or I will shower at the venue. I don't love showering at the venue because you have to wear shower shoes because the venues aren't the cleanest. And it's not the, it doesn't feel great wearing shoes in the shower. It's not my favorite thing ever. Um, so I usually shower out and then we'll come back and either eat lunch at catering or if I'm sick of catering food, which happens pretty quick because it's always the same. It's some type of sandwich station, a pasta salad, bag of chips, cookies, water, and that's all you get. And that's pretty much it. Um, so you get, you get a little sick of it. Some venues are definitely better than others with the food. So when there's good catering, it's a very good day. That's all it takes. I'll get lunch. Um, I, I've t- talked about this on a previous podcast, but I always just try to find a good amount of protein, vegetables, fiber, so avocado, nuts, um, crackers, fiber, greens, and a good fat. So like I said, avocado is a good fat, um, nut butters, salad dressings also provide a good fat. So I'll try to find that. So I'm full and satiated for the rest of the day. And then I usually start getting ready for the show around like 4 35 o'clock shows usually around eight we don't have to really be at the theater until six which is kind of lovely you get to explore and see the city and then sometimes i just watch bridgerton on my computer until i have to get ready just depends on the day and then i'll get ready it usually takes me a very long time and i'll facetime nick when i'm getting ready which is that connection point of my day so that's been super important and it's been like i said in the last episode very difficult for us to find our footing with this transition into being away from each other. It is not easy. You know, the people that do long distance, I commend you. It is tough. It's hard to work with very different schedules, with being in different places, with being apart and trying to build that intimacy over the phone. Like you can do it. There's definitely ways. Um, but it's, it's not the easiest thing and it definitely takes some time to adjust and find it. And I will say some days are better than others. Like some days we're on it, we're connected, we feel good. And then some days we feel like shit. (laughs) Today was a combo of both. It's definitely taken some adjusting. And I think what's helpful for us is planning out when we're going to be talking, when we're going to see each other next. I have a day off in Pittsburgh tomorrow. So I made a point of, traveling to Cincinnati. I'm going to fly from where I am in DC to Cincinnati to see Nick for 24 hours. I get to sleep in my own bed, get to see Dixie and just like be with each other. And I know that seems like a crazy thing to do and a lot of work, but it's definitely worth it for both of our mental health and our connection and everything. So prioritize the things that you care about and put in the extra work to see your partner or make them feel special or whatever you can in your relationships. Um, And then we have the show, which is always super fun and always depends on who comes on our stage. The women 
definitely make the show and make my day when they go crazy on stage and do something they probably didn't expect out of themselves even. It's such a great time and getting to dance and perform is also a huge plus. The show finishes. Sometimes I'll do the meet and greet and get to meet people from the audience, which is very cool. And then we'll get on the bus and get a late night snack and go sleep on the bus and do it all over again the next day. We usually do six days on and we have one day off a week. So a tough schedule, I guess. We do have our days free, but it's definitely a lot. And shout out to the crew who sets up the stage every single day in a new city. It's very impressive and insane to me because they have to set it all up and then pack it all up and put it away and do it again the next day. Crazy. Um, So I guess my something to share is that essentially is to prioritize self-care, prioritize your relationships, prioritize the things that you love. And no matter if your situation is changing or if you're going through a transition, still try to find those ways to fill yourself up. Um, I think that's the best way to feel grounded and like yourself and going through changes of any kind. It's If you have those key pillars that make you feel happy in some way, they can look differently for everyone. That always helps. It definitely helps me to feel like myself and like I have a routine and fill me up in a different situation. Even though I'm having a blast, I always have to have those things in place to feel like myself, which is important. So that is my something to share. Prioritize yourself, prioritize self-care. And I hope that you guys take away so much good stuff about dating from this episode. I think you're going to love it. I love Julie and UA. I think they're awesome. They have so much great insights and it's definitely something that I wish I could have heard when I was in the dating process. So please share with a friend, tag us on social media, give us a five-star review, make sure that you follow the podcast so that we can bump ourselves up higher on the Apple list and it'll just help me get this podcast out into the ears that need to hear it. So without further ado, guys, here is Julie and Yue of the Dateable Podcast. Julie, UA, welcome to the podcast. I said that right, correct, UA? Yeah, that was perfect. Okay, I was practicing. Welcome to the podcast, (laughs) uh, the dynamic duo of Dateable Podcast. How are you guys? We're fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to take a deep dive on dating. Um, I asked you guys before we started recording, but it's nice to hear that you aren't sick of talking about this topic because that's most of what we're going to talk about today. Never. Never. (laughs) And you've been doing this podcast for now six years. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Six years. It's very (laughs) impressive. I am wondering what made you want to initially start a podcast about dating where you felt – did you feel like super successful in it and you wanted to share? Were you having – like what was the – impetus of dateable. I would say anything but feeling super successful, which (laughs) is why we started it. When we first started, UA was new to San Francisco. So you were recently single, just exploring and just baffled by the dating scene. And I was in an on-again, off-again relationship where, you know, anytime you're on-again, off-again for too long, that's never a good time, never a good thing. So Mm -hmm. we were both coming at it as like, what is happening with modern love and why is this so challenging for us and then for all our friends and all the people we talk to? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, dating for sure will bring up a lot and some people are like really successful at it immediately and they pick their one person and it's good. But then I did not feel like that. And <laughs> I would have been nice to have known about your podcast at the time because I feel like with anything, it teaches you a lot about yourself. And I went on a reality TV dating show to figure mm-hmm. out my dating experience. Everyone's different, but there's definitely a period of time where you have to like really learn a lot about yourself, about what you want. And it's nice that they have a resource like you guys to turn to. But that's a good point though, Sydney, is that you kind of have to be in a place of receiving this information. And I think a lot of us, when we start dating, we're not in that place. We just want to go out and try it. We think we know what we're looking for. We think we know what a good relationship looks like. And I don't know about you, Mm -hmm. but the more I dated, the less I felt like I knew. (laughs) I think you also bring up a good point too, of that so much of it's about you as the individual, because when we started Mm -hmm. the Dateable podcast in 2016, the podcast was completely different than it is now. We thought it would be funny dating Mm -hmm. stories, you know, trials and tribulations of what happened. And what we realized was so much of it was the deeper side and 
why dating is so difficult is that it's a reflection of you at the end of the day. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's super lovely when you learn that and then you can do that work on yourself in order to find the success. But it can be very frustrating because when you don't realize that, it can feel mm-hmm. like you're like running against a wall over and over again and getting the same kind of situations mm-hmm. in dating. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to talk about a lot of them today. Before we do, I ask these initial questions of every guest and I'd love to hear from you both individually. Um, first question is something to share either from your nightstand, surprising or with an interesting backstory. So usually it's an object. It can really be any way that you want to take it, but do you have anything that comes to mind? for both? <laughs> we were texting back and forth. We're like, what are you going to show? <laughs> How appropriate are you going to be? And I'm just going to go there. Well, I'm not going to go there, but I'm going to go here. This is very embarrassing. Oh. Um, I have nasal strips. Can you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In my nightstand, mm-hmm. because I don't know, as soon as I, turned 35, I think for the last, what, six years, I've been snoring up a storm and I didn't realize till Mm -hmm. I started dating my now partner. And he's like, you have a real snoring problem. So I'm trying to figure out every way to, to cure that. But these nasal strips do not work. No, they don't. No. See, that's the (laughs) reflection. I've tried That's those too. Yeah. Of having a partner when you're single, you're just living in ignorance, right? That you, I'm not a snorer. Yeah, nobody knows. No yes. Does. No. You're like, I don't no. snore. Yeah. I didn't hear it. Like, yeah, yeah you I do. don't do it. Real bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun to find out things about yourself that you could have just never known, you know? Yeah. Have you figured out something that works? Because I sometimes struggle with the same thing from time to time. Um, and yeah, the strips do not. No, work. not no. at all. As something that has worked. Um, earplugs for him. <laughs> it's, his it's his problem now. I think sometimes <laughs> you figure it, it out. It <laughs> can be what side you're sleeping on is what my partner and mm-hmm. I have realized. Like if you're sleeping on your back versus your side. So sometimes I just have to push him over. Oh yeah. No, he pushes <laughs> yeah. me all the time and I get real mad and <laughs> I've whacked him in the face yeah. a few times. You know, it's just a self-defense yeah. reflex yeah. in me, but the earplugs have worked really well. And then just having him fall asleep before I do also works too. Mm-hmm. That's what happens with me. I, I feel like I don't do it anymore, but maybe it's because he falls asleep before me. There you so, go. Yeah. Um, Julie, what do you have to share with us? You know, I went in a little bit of a dire- different direction, but it's also <laughs> in the mode of self-exploration. <laughs> oh. So I d- actually, we did this episode on our podcast last week about just the energy and vibe you bring, especially when dating and the different aspects of your personality that show up. And I did this training that was the, it was basically a test of what color energy you bring out. Hmm. So it's all about just you know, aspects of your personality and how they show up. So this is ordered in my order. So yellow is the top, then red, then green, then blue. Mm -hmm. And yellow is more like, you know, sunshine personality, positive energy, very social and friendly. And then red is more straight to the point, um, get things done, more of, you know, that type A personality, bold, fiery, that aspect. So I thought this was really interesting to understand. It's kind of like Myers-Briggs, but Mm -hmm. it's just colors instead of letters. Mm -hmm. And you could also see that on these it says like, how is the best, what's the best way to talk to you and communicate with Mm. you? So like yellow, for instance, is involve me. You know, Mm. I would, (laughs) as someone that's social and friendly, if I'm left out of the conversation, that's going to be triggering to me. So I like doing all these little tests of just to better understand myself. Uh And I think it's really interesting. And I think it relates a hundred percent to dating because it's like, how are you showing up? How are the people with you showing up? And how do you work with that? Because, you know, we're not all the same. Yeah, I love a personality test more than anything. (laughs) And I think it does apply to dating too because it's like, oh, this is what I need to feel fulfilled. And that can apply to like, this is how I need to be loved or this is how I feel love or can be shown love in any type of relationship. So I think it's really important to understand yourself. And it sounds like you guys have like continue to do that, Um, especially too because we're not always the same. So we tend to change. So like checking in with yourself every once in a while is important. What are those called? Those Lego looking <laughs> things that you just showed me? <laughs> I know they are. It's from this company. It's called Insights. Hmm. So you can do the test from them. Okay. And I, why they chose to do them as Legos, I have absolutely no idea. But 
Yeah. Yeah. But it's something that you can keep. The idea is that you keep them like on your desk. So when people are interacting with you, they know how. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? (laughs) She's a yellow. Let's let's include her. Exactly. Exactly. That's amazing. Okay. I'll have to look into those. Um, (laughs) Next question. Anything that's been on your heart or mind lately for each of Mm, you? How deep do you want to get? I'm (sighs) fully there for the deep or surface, whatever you want to bring today. On your heart. Well, I think for me, and I've been thinking about this for a few years now, is as I get older, I feel like time just flies by so much faster. And all I want to do is for time to slow down. But then I think about mm-hmm. my younger self, like in middle school and high school, you cannot wait to graduate high school. You cannot wait to be in your 20s. You cannot wait to drink and go to the bars. It's like everything is about future future events. I can't wait to be an adult. And now I feel like I've completely slowed down that thought and I cannot wait for to savor this moment, like this hour we have together versus thinking about like, I can't wait for my vacation, you know, in a few months. Hmm. Has there been a way for you to feel like you've slowed things down or it's just like embracing the moment? Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing for me because my mind just races and I realize that it's really hard for me to be present. So currently I'm enrolled in this program. It's called Positive Intelligence. And what the coach has you do is whenever you want to just slow down time, you focus on one of your senses. Like for me, I'll rub my two fingertips together just to feel like the ridges on my fingertips. Then you kind of, everything kind of goes into slow-mo when you do that. Yeah. It's like, I like it. It's like a grounding exactly. practice almost to like bring you back mm-hmm. into the moment. It's very cool. Julie, what's on your heart or mind? So I'm about to do egg freezing too. Yeah. So wow. that is definitely on my mind. <laughs> Are you already and on the whole, hormones and all of that not stuff? Not yet. Okay. They start tomorrow. Okay. So yeah, I'm just starting this. Wow. And yeah, I think it's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of going back with my partner too. Like, should we do embryo freezing? Should we do egg freezing? And it just brings up a lot because it's almost you're doing the reverse order of things that you're making these decisions mm-hmm. before you get married, before you live together, like all this stuff. It's a very interesting way of doing it, but it makes sense because you're preserving time and you're, you know, you have your biological clock that's mm-hmm. ticking mm-hmm. at the same time. And yeah, I think it's just on my mind, obviously, doing hormones and injections and all that stuff doesn't sound like that much fun, but you know, I'm going to do it and it's for the greater good. Excited to get it over with. Yeah. I've heard from talking to people about that recently, it kind of pushes a relationship forward a lot because you have to ask like all of the harder questions, even if you're like not married or whatever, like it's jumpstart. How have it, how has that affected your relationship with having those conversations? Oh, we definitely did that this weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think it did bring up a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was hard, some of it in the moment, but I actually believe we did get to a better place of more commitment from having it. And you're right. If we didn't have that as the catalyst, we might not have had that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe you would have like felt alone doing it more mm-hmm. if you hadn't mm-hmm. had those conversations. So it's good that like you The ultimate well, DTR. I mean, that would. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What I'm is about to freeze my eggs? <laughs> Define yeah. the relationship, yeah. I guess. That yeah, <laughs> <laughs> took me a second. All right, well, let's get to relationships and dating and all of the stuff that you guys are very good at. First of all, your podcast is called Dateable. Like I said, you've been doing this for six years, so I'm curious with doing this podcast for so long and talking about the same essential thing, dating. What have you noticed, or have you noticed anything as far as shifts that have been made over the past six years in dating? I think one major observation we've seen is for so long, daters get into the dating scene like they do when they go on The Bachelor or Bachelorette. It's all about chasing the other person, convincing them to like you back. But there's, we don't take a pause and think about, well, do I actually like this person? 
So it feels very pageantry in that, in the sense that we feel like, oh, the first couple of dates, I have to be, I have to present the best version of myself. And I can't let this person see this other side of me because I need to know that I'm getting a second date or third date. The shift we're seeing now after the pandemic is people are saying, fuck it to that. Like, I don't need to, the right person, I don't need to convince them to love me back. They're just going to love me for who I am. And it's a very liberating place that we're in. That's huge to realize that you're like, this is who I am. This is what you're getting. Because I think that person will come out no matter what. And sometimes that can surprise mm-hmm. people when you get to a certain point in your relationship and you're like, who is this yeah. person that this is not the person I started dating? Yeah. Julie, what were you going to say? Yeah. I think one really interesting thing, there's been a lot that has stayed the same and there's a lot that has changed over the last six years. Mm -hmm. But one part that we're constantly unraveling, and I think every year it just continues to unravel more, is these ingrained gender roles and the way that we thought we would date. And that plays Mm -hmm. off what UA was saying was that it was always, you know, especially in heterosexual relationships, that the man chooses the woman, the woman leans back. They're not supposed to initiate anything. Mm -hmm. There's rules we go by. There's terrible advice we got from books like Why Men Marry Bitches and Cosmo. And it's hard because we're, a lot of us, I think, especially millennial generation, Gen Z, I think, has a fighting chance Mm -hmm. on this. So millennial and above are fighting this constant traditional aspect that we've been told and ingrained in our former years Mm -hmm. with what modern dating is. Mm -hmm. And that is a challenge for both men and women. And what I think one of the things that we're seeing too is that everyone is playing this game of relationship chicken, which basically means that no one is making the move. And a lot of that (laughs) is because, you know, men with Me Too and stuff, it's, it's hard to make those moves, especially in places like the workplace. You're not going to go out on a limb because now you don't just get rejected, but you're a sexual mm-hmm. harasser. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more at stake. And I think a lot of that that movement and everything that's happened for women, all, like net-net is a great positive thing. Mm-hmm. But kind of the downfall of it is that now everyone's just a little confused. There's no rules, which again is a great thing that lets people be who they are, but it doesn't, there's no playbook. Mm-hmm. Like no one knows what to do. So a lot of times people are just sitting in purgatory, waiting for things to happen. And what we have seen the shift, like UA was saying, is that people are starting to take a bit more accountability. If this like fuck it mentality is, especially with the pandemic, it's we life is short. Let's make things happen. Hmm. So I do think the shift is coming. But over the last six years, I think when we first started this, we had way more traditional views than we mm-hmm. do now. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are starting to come out of it, but it's a constant struggle when you've been told one thing your entire life. Yeah. I was wondering if that would probably get confusing because there it, it, before it was almost like there's clear steps to take, yeah. which maybe they weren't correct necessarily, but right. now it's like there's no mm-hmm. steps because everyone's like, what do we right. actually do? So what would you tell to someone who feels like, I don't know how to act, like I don't know how to date right now, like I don't know what's right and what's wrong? What would you say to someone like that? Well, the flip side that makes it beautiful is that we create the love lives we want. Back Mm -hmm. then, we had a very rigid book that we followed and a lot of that led to divorce, which is another reason why I think people in our generation are commitment phobic. And we saw that that way didn't work. So this is actually a huge opportunity to kind of paint the relationship and design the relationship we want. Mm -hmm. So what I would say to people is instead of looking at it as confusing, look at it as I can pave my own path. And that means that I can just be my authentic self and do what I want and the right person is going to be a want is going to want to be along. It's for a that real ride. it's a real opportunity right now for daters to be honest about what they're going through. Like what you just said Sydney is someone could bring that on a date and say I'm actually a little confused by what's going on in the dating scene. This is what I'm comfortable doing. What are you comfortable doing? And then two people mm-hmm. just keep meeting each other versus trying to guess and play psychics of like what what I'm going to guess what this person wants. And it's a it's a very vulnerable and human moment when we can bring that honesty to a date and just admit that I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like I would agree that would be refreshing when someone's like especially if like a guy for example because usually like you have to wait yeah. to call them three days or that mm-hmm. used to be the old thing but they're, if they're like you know what fuck it I want to call yeah. you tomorrow I don't know what the protocol is here but this is how I feel I think that would be very refreshing yes. so the more yeah. people can probably just be like open and 
honest, I think that would be For very sure. helpful. But yeah, I know personally when I stopped playing those games, mm-hmm. that's when things fell into place mm-hmm. for me. And if I could get back all the hours I waited for someone to text me oh that they never God. did, instead of just texting them, I'd rather just know that they're not interested because then it's over. Yeah. Or if you do text them, it's like eight texts later. You're like, how did yep. I get here? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, one more question on that because you guys are dateable podcasts. Like what would you consider make someone quote unquote dateable? Like what are good qualities to have to be dateable? Mm. Well, I'm going to describe basically our Facebook community because I think we have some of the most dateable members, people who are open to new ways and new perspectives, people who are eager to learn and curious, um, people who who listen more than they speak. And mm. then also there's this aspect of just this honesty uh, who can be open and vulnerable in what they're feeling instead of being performative and being someone that they think other people want them to be. Take accountability for themselves mm. opposed to blame others is a mm-hmm. big one. It's easy to blame the apps, your city, all that stuff, but having the emotional intelligence to see how you are yeah. showing up and make accordingly, even mm-hmm. if that's not always you know, the easiest thing that's so important. I like accountability. Yes. Yeah, that's a very good one. All right. Well, let's get to a couple scenarios and we can get back to more of the questions I have. There's quite a few and I'm really bad at reading and talking. So we'll just like bear with me. Hey, Sydney, I know you previously said in the past that your relationship with Nick, who's my Mm -hmm. fiance, is the first relationship that you've been in, i.e. first boyfriend, etc. I'm just wondering, do you ever get jealous that he's previously been in other relationships before you and how do you deal with it? Do you guys talk about do you guys talk about it? Do you ask him questions about the relationships? Does it come up in fights? How do you resolve it? How do you eventually get over it? How have you come to accept and move forward? Um, then she goes on to say, never been in a relationship, but I'm also a jealous person. So I imagine it might cause problems later. So basically, like if you haven't dated a lot, you're in a new relationship and you get jealous or like, is it okay to be jealous? Like how to work through those like jealousy things? Well, like how would you answer that question? Anything. Well, I told her, I was like, thank you for this. Obviously, I would just say like with my relationship, for example, because this is my first relationship. This is not my fiance's first relationship. He has had other past relationships, but uh, they're now married with kids. So that helps a little bit. But when the jealousy has come up and it always will naturally in certain situations, I just remind myself like, he's in this relationship for a reason. Like those other relationships ended for a reason. As long as he's not continuing to like talk to them and like have a relationship with them. I'm perfectly fine knowing that like I, I'm comfortable in the relationship that we have. So I don't need to worry about other people or other relationships that have happened in the past. But I can see where she's coming from where it's like hard to when it's your first relationship, feel like the chosen one in a way when you just like know that you're not his first. Well, it's like she chose him to be the first. So that's really special for her. But not everyone has the same type of experience. Mm. I think the way I would look at it is that even I think the word relationship is very broad. Mm -hmm. So the relationship that you have with your fiance is different than the relationship he had with someone else. Mm -hmm. And instead of looking at it, that he's had all of these and you've had none think about it that we're both new to this current relationship. Mm. So this is an experience that we're both in for the first time. This relationship is different than others. And let's not group all of them together. Look at it more of this is us. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first thing. The other is we have all had relationship experience. Maybe it wasn't romantic. Maybe it wasn't defined. Like if it was official relationship, but we all have friends, we all have family members, we all have relational skills. And ultimately that's what's important is how can you relate to one another, not your roster of past relationships. And quite frankly, I think sometimes people that have had less relationships might be in a better place because you don't have that jadedness and Mm. you don't have some of the aspects that come with just the continuous churn of relationships. So I would say no relationship history is superior or inferior over one Mm -hmm. another. And to be fair, you, he, Nick has witnessed you on TV having romantic connections with other people too. I think what we need to think about in this scenario is everybody from your past has set you up to be with the person you are with today. 
So for me to, cause I kind of had the same similar feelings when I first started dating my current partner who came out of a divorce, I kept thinking, why was he able to give her that commitment and kind of dragging his feet with me? Then I realized a way to think about this is she groomed him or their relationship groomed him to be the perfect partner for me today. And I have her to think, I am actually very grateful for his previous relationships. So maybe we can just take a moment and be grateful that you weren't part of these previous relationships that didn't work, which set the ball to be spiked into your court. Mm, I love that reframe. I think that's important because when you look at it from that lens, it's not as like scary or bad. It's like, yeah, he's been perfectly trained trained for me at this point. That's great. All right, next one. So I met this guy on Hinge back in August, and we went on dates between August and early October. When I tell you I had never felt that way about Mm -hmm. any guy before, I meant it. Every date was amazing. We connected so well, and he was everything I wanted and more. He checked off all my boxes on paper, and we had an amazing connection. Fast forward closer to the fourth date, and before we see each other again, he starts acting really weird and distant. We aren't talking every day, and his communication is very sporadic. I openly address it on the date, and he gives me a good excuse and all as well. Sorry for the long message. Before our last date, communication is spotty again. The last date goes amazing, but then after that date, his communication completely falls off the wagon. I mean, we went from talking every day to me now texting him once a day or every other day, and I didn't hear from him for almost a week. Mid-October rolls around, and it's safe to say he's pretty much ghosted me. And I never got closure, even after I sent him a long message looking for answers. It's been over four months since I've talked to him, but I can't get this guy out of my head. I truly believe if things didn't end the way they unfortunately did, we could have had an amazing story slash relationship and we both seem to be on the same page. I'm still confused all of these months later and I've thought endlessly about talking to him to him, but I'm nervous to open up that door when I know I deserve someone who makes me feel valued and highly respected. I just don't want any regrets with not seeing what mm. if could have been there. Thoughts. I feel like as you're reading this story from the very beginning, yeah. I was going to end. Yeah. This is the most common thing that all we get time. all the time. So I guess for the person that submitted this, feel at least, you know, that you're not alone mm-hmm. in this, that this is this happens to everyone. I think this is the classic focusing on the checkboxes and building this person up that quite frankly, you just don't know very well. Mm -hmm. And you've created this image of this person that isn't real. And (laughs) that's where it becomes difficult because you didn't just lose this person. I think sometimes the most difficult endings are the relationships that never got off the ground in the first place. Because you're not just losing the person, but you're losing this what Mm -hmm. if future that you've created in your Mm -hmm. mind. So I guess the first aspect is you, this, this person that submitted have said it over and over that this person was not making you feel well. Yeah. They were constantly thinking about just spotty behavior, inconsistent behavior. Is that what you want in a relationship? Even if this person checks all the boxes is perfect on paper at the end of the day, that's so much more important of how they're making you feel and what side they're bringing out than if they check the boxes. Yeah, that's one of the most important boxes to check is communication and making you feel like seen and like loved. And he did not check that very important box. But it's so hard when you like romanticize it and it's like the what ifs and you feel like he's not seeing what you're seeing. But yeah, it's like actions are more important than like words and the fantasy of it in in that position. But And it's so much easier for us to say this right now Mm -hmm. that we're not in the situation. I recognize that when you're in it, when you thought you found that person, Mm -hmm. it can be so heart-wrenching and Mm -hmm. difficult. So don't want to minimize the feeling. And I think you can feel all the feels and get it out of your system. I would say if you can time box it in some way, instead of suppressing it, let it out, but also recognize that your end goal is to meet that person that checks the most important box, like you said, Sydney. Mm-hmm. So don't let this person get in the way of you finding mm-hmm. that person. I would just want to say I've been there so many times and I can basically, 
I can verbalize the narrative in your head right now. It's probably like, what did I, what did I do wrong? Did I say something? If only he could see all of me that all that I can give, he'll see that I'm perfect for him. Um, Our relationship was headed into this like great trajectory and was something done, like did something happen for this to go down like this? Well, stop putting the blame on yourself or the situation. We said at the top of this, this episode, the right person doesn't need to be convinced. And you do not need to convince this guy that you're the perfect person for him. Something has happened where he has he has misaligned himself with what you're looking for. And that's what a, a relationship is about, is every day you check with your partner, are we still aligned? Are we aligned? And when you have that misalignment and he's no longer willing to realign himself with you, that's not the person for you. And for, for you to hang on to this, like what Julie was saying, this image, this, this, this man that you were chasing the story, you know, you're like, that could have been such a great meet cute story. We could have had a great start to this relationship. I want to tell my friends and my kids how this all went down. You are playing into the Hollywood factor of relationships and they don't work out like that. And after the credits roll, that's when the real work begins. And this guy was not willing to put put at the work, put in the work after the credits roll. Mm, that's so big. Yeah. Cause you think of it like a fairy tale, which some aspects can definitely be, but there will be more work that happens after. And both sides have to be willing to put in a lot of work in order to like support the relationship. And you don't want your relationship to be one sided. Exactly. No. <laughs> Send in love. Okay. Podcast topic. A fun topic I know people feel strongly about both ways. Are you able to make a marriage last if you've broken up as a couple previously? I personally don't think so because the reason for the breakup will always be an underlying theme in the relationship. I have a lot of friends that are married to people they've split up from during their time dating. Thoughts? There actually is a stat that about half half of couples break up at least one time and Mm. get back together. I would say that I do think it's possible it depends on if things changed, if there was work done with um, the couples. I'm thinking about Insecure, that TV show, which is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm, that's a good one. And, you know, the two main characters, they needed the time apart mm-hmm. to grow as individuals. And then they found their, their, they found their way back to one another. And I think that it can work, but you can't just be coming against the same problem over and over again. And that's when the person that wrote in what they mentioned is totally valid. Mm -hmm. If nothing has changed, people aren't willing to do the work, then yeah, you're going to keep encountering that. And I think ultimately you have to decide, is this something I can live with? No one's going to ever be perfect. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be something, whether it's something you can work with or not, that's an individual decision. So I would say that it's not a hard, fast rule. It really comes down to what is it, first of all, that's getting in your way? Are people willing to do the work? And is this something you can live with? I like that. And I think if they've done that change, it's a great way of like showing how things would proceed in the mm-hmm. future if you run into other issues, like if they the change did happen. But I think one, it has to do with what the issue actually was. And then two, what changes were made. But Reconciliation yeah. never works if it's if the reason for reconciliation is we still love each other. And unfortunately, love is just not enough in this scenario. What we've seen work with these relationships is that after the breakup, two people become completely different people and then they get back together and they can talk about their past selves when they had the breakup. That's when you know that they've done the work. If no work has been done, and we've heard people say this too, I want to get back together with my ex because I still have feelings for her or him. It doesn't really matter. Because it's most of the time when you break up, it's not that the feelings have faded. It's that you stopped working towards your a relationship. All very great points. Um, I have a few <laughs> more questions. This one is, they're a little shorter now. So this one is from a guy. He says, I make plans with girls and then they bail the night of. Has happened pretty frequently. So like what's happening here? What could be happening here? Bailing at the last second. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's just bad dating behavior. <laughs> Yeah, not dateable quality. Not at all. And I think it just shows how in modern dating, we see each other as disposable sometimes. And we feel like, well, I have better plans. So I'm just going to cancel these. It's not a big deal. I think for 
if you are experiencing this over and over again, I think it's important to set up the expectation from the beginning and say, I, I want to see you Friday. I made plans for this and, th- and this. I've experienced people bailing last minute. I don't appreciate that. Like I would never do that to someone. So if plans do change, can you just give me advance notice? Just set it up. So then other people will take more accountability for their actions and don't try to play it cool. I know I've been there. Oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, we can reschedule for another time. Yeah, I'm always available. (laughs) Because then you're like building up the resentment inside, but outwardly you're presenting this very uh, amicable, like, yeah, we can do this again definitely express your needs and set the expectations from the beginning. And I I definitely can relate to this person too. We've heard a lot of men say this, Mm. that women are super flaky with dates. And this is definitely the downside of modern dating, that you don't know these people that essentially you feel like they're not Mm -hmm. a real person until you've met. If you just met on an app, for instance, it's a photo you saw on the screen. So it just makes you less accountable. I don't want to say that it's his fault, but I do believe that the only person you can control is yourself. And if you don't want this to keep happening, maybe it is worth looking at what are my patterns? Are there any blind spots that I'm putting out there that I could change? For instance, maybe he's asking people on dates really quick and Mm -hmm. they're not building up enough rapport. Maybe try a video date first Hmm. where you've seen this person. They can say, okay, this is a real person. If I stand them up, Mm -hmm. I'm actually messing with a real person's schedule, not someone I don't know. Yeah. Putting like an actual conversation to a Mm -hmm. picture is important. Yeah. You guys are very good at this. (laughs) See, you've been doing this for six years. (laughs) Love it. Um, Okay. Been one plus year and he's still quote, working on himself, but says he's interested in dating me one day. Oh, what? Oh, God. (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) I mean, yeah. I think this is one of the other things we hear all the time is that we're banking on potential. And, you know, I've actually been in this situation. It hasn't been, you know, one day they'll date me, but one day I'll really commit to this, right, Mm -hmm. is when I get myself in order. We have to take people at face value. If they're not ready at this, the time that you're meeting, that's not the right person. And if I wish I could have recognized that earlier mm-hmm. and taken back that time, it is so much easier to work with someone that also wants to make the commitment to be in a relationship and is ready for a relationship than trying to convince someone that doesn't. And I think we all have work that we need to do on ourselves. We're all works in progress. And that doesn't mean that you can't have a relationship while you're working on yourself. It's not exclusive Mm -hmm. to one another. Mm -hmm. And we hear from all the time from relationship experts that the best relationships and actually a core reason for getting into relationship is to heal our inner child and all of our past traumas. So if you can find someone that's willing to do that work with you, Mm -hmm. that's what a lasting relationship is. So yeah, take it at face value. Find someone that's willing to meet you. And newsflash, you we're all working on ourselves. We never stop working on ourselves. And there's, if we keep saying I'm working on ourselves, I'm working on myself and one day I'll be ready for X, Y, and Z, then nothing's going to happen because we're never going to get there. Yeah. In this scenario, it's, I personally think this is just an excuse of someone saying, I'm not, yeah. I, I don't feel that compelled to be with you. And we have to stop delaying what we want for a timeline for someone else that we can control. Yeah. This is the it's, guy that strings you. Oh out, yes. Sure. Yeah. I was going to say, this is the bread. Yeah. yeah. And this is really tough because you're getting something yeah. from mm-hmm. it. And again, do not want to minimize the feelings because we've both been here before. And this is one of the hardest things when someone's giving you a bit, but not the whole pie. Mm-hmm. And it, it sometimes could take you a while to figure out that you deserve the whole pie and that they're not giving it to you. And one day you will meet someone that makes you realize why Mm -hmm. nothing else worked out. Yeah. So true. Okay. Could use advice, move to a new city, have a crush on a guy, but he's my only friend. Do I tell him? Only friend? Yeah. In this new city that she just moved to. So like the only guy that she knows in the city, does she like make a move to try and be in a relationship? Because if she does, then that could ruin the friendship and this is new for her. I feel like moving into a new city. Okay. We've seen this happen too. Now it's jogging my memory of all the times we heard this story. When you move into, when you move to a new city, you want to latch on to 
someone, the support network, right? And it's harder to, I think sometimes it's harder to decipher if your feelings are that of wanting to feel supported or these are romantic feelings. I think moving to a new city, your first priority is to build your network and support group. So make more friends before you act upon what this could be a romantic impulse or this could be something real. We don't know yet. It's just hard. It's a little hard to decipher at this point. Perfect. Um. Okay. Next one. We have like one or two more. I think this guy at my job likes me. He's somewhat, he's somewhat of a new employee and he added me on Facebook a couple <laughs> of weeks ago and, and thinking nothing of it, I accepted it. Since then, he has liked slash reacted to many of my photos, including photos from 2013, 2015, oh. and so on. Damn. Come to find out, my coworker found out from another coworker that he mm. has a girlfriend. I'm not interested in him, but this is the weird male behavior I don't understand. I don't get it. Why do people do that? <laughs> oh my goodness, deep liking. Yeah, I. I think a lot of it's validation that they want to get kind of a rise out of you. They want to like occupy your thoughts, and mm-hmm. it's working, right? We're talking about him. She's writing into a show about him. He's gotten that. Yeah. So I think a lot of times we overestimate the importance of social media behavior too. When we hear all the time, someone looked at my Instagram story, they must be really into me. Oh, yes. They also could just be bored, you know, like they're flipping through. Yeah. Right. So some of it could be validation or some of it could just be that they do not hold the same weight that you do. Like this person might have just been like, oh, it's my coworker. I'm going to look through their past photos. I think it's a little weird to go in deep like from 2013, yeah. but maybe he doesn't. Maybe he hasn't even given it a second thought. We all think differently. Yeah. I know. The the story view is a big one yes. for people, especially when they're trying to get over a guy or if they've uh, posted oh and they yeah. still watch the stories. Like that is the one thing that people definitely hang on to a lot, but – I think my fiance reframed it. It's like, think about how you watch Instagram yeah. stories. Like you go yeah. flip, flip, yeah. click, click, and right. that's it. It's not that like you're like fawning over this one no. story. I don't know. No, they might not even be actually watching yeah. it. They might just be clicking yeah. through to get to the next I know. I know. I, that's the thing. We don't know how other people interact with social media and we're placing our behavior onto them. I agree. It's just like you just people are weird. Just just know that people are weird. Yeah. And until he acts upon his words or right. whatever it may be, I I don't think this is anything that's worth your time to think over or mull over. I don't think it's like go tell the girlfriend no. this is happening. I just like don't think it's necessary. No, I'm sure no. he has a ton of yeah, Instagram yeah. models that he's looking at too. Yeah, just let him do whatever. Okay, last question I'll ask you guys. Um, talking slash going out slash hooking up with the guy for a year and then him saying we're just good friends. <laughs> oh goodness, we hear this one a lot yeah. too. <laughs> <sighs> what's what's going on? Uh, well, again, Julie said this earlier too. You can only control yourself. You cannot control other people. So in this moment, you gotta say, what do I want? Do I want something more? How did it how did it make me feel when he? said we were just good friends. Obviously from this question, it sounds like you're not happy with this answer and you want something more. So this is your chance to take control and ask for something more. Let him know your your feelings. Maybe for him, he's like, this is great. We're friends, we're hooking up, we're like, we're getting everything. She's not asking for anything more. This is the time to take control of your love life and get what you want out of it. The DTR. And- or not DTR. The, DTR. the description of what he was or what they were was everything that you yeah. need to know. The, the slash, slash yeah. this, slash this, slash this. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's classic fuck boy because he can't mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of fuck boys, I know you guys <laughs> – um, favorite topic <laughs> yes i know you guys have talked about this on like news channels and all the things west elm caleb who was oh really gosh. big on tiktok fuck boy i know this is like <laughs> your the, the fuck boy of the moment so if you guys don't mind like describing this west elm caleb of people might not know who he, who he is and how he, he kind of epitomizes modern dating in a way mm-hmm. so i would love to talk about west elm, west elm caleb for a second so the backstory is <laughs> Apparently, all these women on TikTok discovered they were all dating the same guy, this guy named Caleb, who worked at West West Elm, and he would love bomb them from the beginning. He would send them like a spot um, Spotify playlist of how much he liked them, and he would shower them with like all these words of affection. And 
um, then he would ghost them. So all these women like found sleep with them and then yeah. ghost them. And <laughs> I, I guess he was also sending them the same dick pics and they realized that later too. So oh, in the end, these women found out that they were all dating the, or they had all dated the same guy. Some of them were still currently dating him and they wanted to band together and, you know, basically call him out on it. But this is not new news. We've seen this behavior happen. In fact, women have also done this with men as well. Okay. So let's just not, there's like a West Elm Kelly out there somewhere. Yeah, um, for sure. It does epitomize bad dating behavior because what it shows is that we are we're we are very bad at establishing our boundaries and communicating our needs. So especially in early dating, we kind of just like want to be cool and go with go with the flow and not really step back and think, do I like this? person? Do I like this behavior and not draw those boundaries? Now, did he, what did he do wrong? Him seeing multiple women, was that wrong? No, because he did not commit to any of them individually. What he did do wrong was he did not communicate um, that he was seeing other people. So I think he gave off the the uh, um, the impression that he was monogamous with these women from the beginning very quickly. So we can't really fault him for the seeing multiple people, but at the same time, like we have to look at our own behavior. Am I also seeing multiple people? Am I communicating yeah. what I'm doing here? We just got to take more accountability for our own actions at the end of the day. It's not West Elm Caleb, it's you at home. I do see though how the women like fell for it, right? It's you, it's, it's hard in today's world to find that connection. And that's why so many of the questions you received, Sydney, were just hanging on to this hope of this yeah. person. And sometimes when you feel like you found that person mm -hmm. that gets you, that wants the same things as you, it feels like you found a needle in the haystack. Yeah. And we want to make that story work and we want to find all the reasons it can. And that's human nature. And I think especially why love bombing is problematic is that you don't know if it's genuine or not. We all want the effects of love bombing, someone telling us we're amazing and they want to be with us and all the stuff. But then it becomes problematic when it's the West Elm Caleb situation where they're saying it to get something, basically to sleep with you. Mm -hmm. And then not actually following through on it, essentially lying to you. So I don't blame the people that fell for it. We, it's human nature. That being said, we do need to remember that we've met this person for what, maybe like one or two hours, you know, if we've only gone on a couple dates, I think a lot of times we get ahead of ourselves. And I was definitely victim to this of creating the fantasy and mm -hmm. the story we want it to be. And we have to remember, we have no idea what else is going on in people's lives, whether they're seeing other people, they're ready for a relationship, they even want a relationship. We can't just put what we want onto someone else. Yeah, that's huge. And I remember myself in dating too, like you, I think I created the fantasy one because it almost helps me like believe yeah. in dating mm -hmm. and get up the next day and like put myself out there because I like let myself romanticize it, but it, you can't necessarily do that. And I think that's what might've happened a lot in a lot of those situations was they saw like the down the roads because things were going really yeah. well from the initial, but yeah. Yeah. And let's take it one step further. The Tinder swindler. Yeah. Yes. Right? I love that's it. <laughs> But I feel like that's exactly yeah. what happened is people fell into the fantasy yeah. and they wanted to believe that this super rich, attractive man could give them the life they've wanted. And I do think it's a tough balance because we can't just go in being skeptical of everyone. That's not a good approach either. But I do think we need to be realistic of where we are in meeting someone. We, mm -hmm. we have a new term for the opposite of love bombing. Do you want to hear it, Sydney? We made it up. I would love to. Yeah, what is it? Suvying. <laughs> Taking things slow, but knowing that the end, when it's a fully cooked meal, that it's going to be delicious with multiple mm. multiple layers of flavors, instead of putting things in a microwave and hoping they'll just, you know, it'll cook and it'll taste good enough. So I think in this in these situations, also with a Tinder swindler, also with West Elm Caleb. All these women put the control in their hands. So everything was in, on their terms, the man's terms. Oh, we're going to meet at this time. We're going to do this. And I'm going to leave by this time. If we can sue be this, we take things back in our own control and say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to go a little slow. 
I'm going to see you on Friday. You know, like, I think we can all look at it in a different way of taking control of the situation. I love a soup. Yeah. It's delicious. <laughs> okay. So much better. I want to help people. I feel like what are some best, like, can you give us some like best takeaways or maybe, I don't know if they're quick tips or like for the modern dater, how do we step forward now into the world knowing these things, like all the things that we listen to on the podcast, how do we move forward in a way of like still believing in love, still like ready to go on dates, still putting themselves out there, but also like protecting their heart a little bit and all those things. Like what's the best way that we go about this with the world the way it is right now? I think don't look at self-love as being selfish and putting yourself first. I definitely, it took me a while to understand this and kind of what UA was just saying, like, if you want to push the date out a couple of days, do that. We hear of people saying, oh, I don't want you know, this date to like basically get in the way of my schedule of the rest of the day, instead of planning your day around the date, what if you plan the date around your day? And I think we are afraid because we view, we have this, uh, it's really interesting. Actually, we have so many options right now with dating apps, yet we all believe that there are no options and that we have this scarcity mindset. And that's what it forces us to try to find these stories that appear good on paper and try to fit this like round peg in a square hole or the other way around. <laughs> square peg in the round you know, hole either way it shapes. doesn't fit it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> either way it doesn't fit and um i think we need to start taking that control and believing that like we are a freaking catch and someone is lucky to be with us and until we can see that how can we expect someone else to see that and once we can see that when someone goes or someone isn't ready that's when you have the power to say okay this person's just in my way to find the person that will see that. And this is a stepping stone to find that person opposed to, you know, take it to be personally. I think we need to take dating less personally is not a reflection of ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's a couple things. I think it's important for daters to understand that we have a real opportunity to set our own rules and our own traditions. And we can be brave enough to do that. I think so many of us are have been burned or heartbroken that we're afraid to step forward and put ourselves out there. Yet, end of the day, we still want that loving relationship. So there's a lot of want and then afraid of going after it. Just know that there are no hacks to love. And whatever you're going through right now, you are meant to go through this. Because all of the bullshit and all of the um, disappointment you may be feeling currently is setting you up for the right person who is just right around the corner. And we say this all the time. Your person is literally right around the corner. You just have to keep going because you you will meet them Mm -hmm. eventually. And I think when it's like you're close, that's a good sign that they're even closer than you thought. When you get those like almost or like almost perfect on paper, like it means that you're really close. So keep going. Keep going. I think it's all about reframing because even when you're getting rejected a lot, that means you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. It's going to make you really strong. Okay. Let's wrap this up with like one last piece of advice, leaving thoughts, quick tip, anything that you guys have. It could be dating related or just really anything. The one piece of advice I would put out there is remember that dating is supposed to be Mm. fun. So often we think about dating as a job and as work and as something we have to do. It is a luxury that someone wants to take time to meet us and that we can do a fun activity with another human being. And we're so focused on the outcome that oftentimes we're not focused on just enjoying the present. And even if this person does not become your next partner or your you know, future person and all that, it doesn't matter. It's just a connection. And if we can start to look at it that way, that's when some of the pressure will fall off and things will happen a bit more organically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think my parting words of advice would be, we have to stop waiting happy. We do a lot of these. When I get this promotion, when I lose how many, however many pounds, when I finish this, yeah. whatever, um, training, we constantly have these milestones and we feel like once we accomplish these milestones, we can, we can be allowed to be happy for some reason. we somehow have permission at that point, but we've seen that this happens over and over again. Once you reach those accomplishments, you actually become less happy because now you've accomplished it. So stop delaying your happiness for these 
future what ifs and start going after the things that you want and that you know will make you happy today. Love those. Those were so good. Okay. Well, I feel great. Um, I hope this helps a lot of people be dateable. I feel like it will. Where can everyone find you guys and when you have episodes, all of that good stuff? datablepodcast.com. We're also at datablepodcast on Instagram and TikTok. Don't be, don't make fun of our TikTok. It's very, it's very small right now, but we're growing. We're growing it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got <laughs> we got to do the dances sometime soon. And, yeah, and, no, I feel <laughs> that's how we'll grow. <laughs> we officially release the episodes every Wednesday, but if you subscribe on any of the platforms, you get the episodes actually a day early. So um, on Tuesday Ooh, night. Yeah. That's lovely. Yep. Amazing. And we're on every major podcast player. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you can find a podcast, we are there. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. This was awesome. Thanks for having us, Sydney. That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow, as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime this podcast obviously send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at something to share podcast on instagram and i'll see you next wednesday